0: everybody. My name is James D. DeFiori, and this is Black Bowl. We have a doubleheader today. We will have, at 9 o'clock, Casual Friday, the triumphant return of Casual Friday. This is a big show. We have Dean Blundell, Spenny, and Douglas Connors from the Eager Beaver podcast. And we are going to discuss maybe serious subjects in a casual manner, which is what we do on Casual Friday. But first... A friend of the show is here and she does need no introduction and therefore I will not give her one. Her name is Karima Saad. Karima, how are you? Hi, I forfeited my introduction. Did uh, you really? Yeah, well listen, I, yes. some people, <laughs> you don't need to do the introduction. You've been on the show a billion times uh, and we love having you. Um, I wanted to, there's so much going on uh, and and I and I, I I look at your feed sometimes and um, it's kind of both a glimpse to what's happening, that's current that that we all kind of talk about but also your gonzo journalism and the way that you document things and the ongoing uh, issues that you have to deal with because of how you do your work I'm a big admirer of it you wrote a piece for Cryer recently and it says uh, safer in a viper's pit the new chapter in my disturbing saga of online and real world harassment i'm going to read an excerpt it's kind of the beginning and then i want you to sort of take over and give us uh the background the context and what you specifically are dealing with it starts like this uh i can't see the words because it's uh <laughs> because my life um I can read it if you can't see it. What is the first three words? A, a white male? Is that what it's A random white male. A random white male walks past. It almost sounds like a joke. A random white male walks past the demonstration of progress. What does he find? No, a random, a random white male walks past the demonstration of progress. He stops, exchanges terse words with the protesters, digs up a loosely sealed can of paint he's carrying in a shopping bag, and pitches its contents onto the demonstrators. The bulk of the paint lands on a black woman, prompting accusations of racism. A video that goes viral shortly afterwards is offered up as evidence. Although the clip doesn't show what precipitated the incident or any possible justification for the assault, it clearly captures the moment to paint his thrown. Within a couple of days of out- within a couple of days of outcry, the man is charged with assault. The woman appears to be unharmed and vindicated by the police charges. Since the incident involved violence at a local protest, I decide to go by the scene the following morning. Imagine my surprise when I spot the actual paint can used in the assault discarded by the curbside. Take it away from there because it really gets both interesting and kind of scary at the same time. So, um,
1: I, 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 like I said, I I was interested in this because it was a local protest and it involved a couple of characters who have shown up at other events I've covered. Um, And the reaction to me looking into it um, was uh, hostile (laughs) uh, because these individuals don't like my reporting or my work. Um, And from there, I sort of go down this path of, well, what happened and what was law enforcement's role? And it turned out that there were a couple of arrests on the day of the incident, but not of the guy who threw the paint, uh, of people who allegedly assaulted him. And this is based on the paint thrower's word, right? Um, so, you know, I look into it, I contact Toronto Police and in finding out the names of the people who got arrested, um, I'm Googling and just sort of trying to figure out who's who, and one of them ends up solving a mystery of my own um, that I've been grappling with since January in in an intense way, but even prior to that, um, and this, it turned out to be someone who has been harassing me online and in person um, since July of 2021.
0: And the picture of the guy is um, enough for me to want to, like, buy you a bodyguard, (laughs) I think. This is him, right? This is the dude.
1: The hairy tarantula owner, uh, apparently, and an aptly named store. And it's kind of funny that it's a comic book store because, you know, even in referring to this particular subset of protesters, uh, I've... Used the term Antifo, which is a play on a portmanteau of Antifa and like pho.
0: Faux. F A U X.
1: F A U X. Not to, be, cons- not like not to be confused with the soup. No, not like the delicious soup. Uh, nothing which delicious about that. more like
0: Antifo, I think.
1: I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't have a, a grasp on the Vietnamese pronunciation. But not in any really, event, really cool. um, yeah, I, and I, I call them that because there's an element of cosplay to their form of activism. It's very performative. It's very black and white, good guy, bad guy. We are the guardians, the defenders. Um, and the fact that this person happens to be associated with a fairly iconic um, comic book store in Toronto uh, was just, it's beautiful irony.
0: It's or, pretty weird. It's pretty rare that someone that clearly was uh, the star of a dark novel now owns a comic book store. Like that's, that's, that's amazing. Now listen, what have you been able to glean from your experiences and uh, with, with dealing with, because you've dealt with the full spectrum um, of, of lunatics. Is there a difference in style between how the far right comes at you and how the far left and I, and I use far left almost um facetiously because i don't know actually maybe both sides that that attack you i don't know what their belief systems are or if they have any or if they're if it is cosplay because you'd think that they'd be passionate about something that lady whose name i always forget that yells and screams at you all the time outside of the like uh drag queen story time or whatever clearly she believes i guess that she's a product of the left but she is clearly narcissistic and she just wants to be seen doing what she's doing and and, and i don't have a psychology degree or anything but that's my instinct when i look at her and i and i think i have a pretty good instinct for this kind of stuff so what is the difference between the two
1: it's a very very good question um so i think that there is a a, a fair degree of overlap uh, in tactics, um, which may surprise people, um, but that's been my experience overall. Um, you know, there's there's a commitment to I wouldn't say values because the values that either extreme profess to uphold um, don't aren't really reflected in their actions. Um, there's I would say, a high degree of groupthink um, and sort of cohesion as far as us versus them, insiders versus outsiders. If you are not with us, you are against us and therefore a target. And so I've experienced that from both sides. Mm -hmm. Um, If we are talking about kind of the ideological camp that they know would self-identify with i suppose um i think that the far right tends to be a bit more blunt force if i can put it that way Um, and it's just a bit more crude and to me it rolls off my shoulders a bit easier because it's like the the criticism or the attacks are so stupid Um, so you know like it it Bothers me, but it, it They have a I don't identify with you guys, so it doesn't really matter what you say, and it's, you know, absurd. Um, the absurdity that comes from, like, the left is also absurd, um, but a bit more insidious, I think, um, and very methodical in the way that there have been attacks on my reputation, on my professional standing. Um, you know, I've had... Events canceled, um, like speaking events or engagements that I was supposed to do. Um, We've had to shift gears because of attacks against the organizers or other presenters. Um, And there is a very, on both sides, there's a heavy reliance on smears. um, And whether it's smear by association or just sort of fabricating labels to affix, Um, But the ones that are thrown at me from the left, even though they are themselves absurd, um, there's something about our present day culture um, that makes it uh, almost an existential threat, um, especially for someone like me whose livelihood depends on having a solid reputation, um, and I would say, as far as physical attacks go, um, I've been fortunate in that that's not really been sort of a at the forefront of what I've encountered. Mm-hmm. Um, but both sides will use violence, um, and the the their self righteousness as well um, on on either end of the extreme, and. That's used to justify bad behavior and a very an inability, I think, to self reflect and consider the fact that you know the tactics that they would criticize someone else for using are exactly the same as what's in their toolkit.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with that assessment. I, I and there are different because uh, I I deal with not not uh in the same way that you deal with because you're you're on the ground, but the stuff that I write or when I interview Max Bernier, for example, or something like that. Like I, the shrapnel that I get hit with is is interesting. I, I find that maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I find the, the, and we're talking about when we generalize here, we're talking about like the the lunatics on either side. We're not talking about just general lefties and conservatives or whatever, but, so the lunatics on either side, I do find the right to be, to be more comprised of, you know, people, I, I would call them blowhards or something. And the left, I would describe like the, the 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 lunatics on the left. I would describe as narcissistic. There there is a very strange, I um thing that that takes over people when they just believe with every fiber of their being that they're on the right side of history. It, it gives them an ends justifies the means kind of philosophy. I find it um, interesting that I, I I've noticed that um, far right wingers. Are more willing to talk in in a setting like this than than far left wingers. Um, Max Bernie will come on the show, but then uh, I, I, she's not a political person. But uh, and I'll just say her name because I don't care. But um, Erica M, the former Much Music VJ that also owned Yummy Mummies, um, <laughs> she she's she's a she was a household name when she was a Much Music VJ, uh, agreed to come on the show and then emailed me and was like why would you interview Maxine Bernier? And I was just like, I don't know, same reason I interviewed Noam Chomsky. is just to listen to someone talk about their ideas and then let the audience sort it out. And then that was it. She's just like, I, I can't do it. And that's, I find it very frustrating. I find like people like Matt Walsh, if you hate him, that's fine. Uh, I don't really like him. I find his religious views uh, dominates his views of gay people. And I, I think that he has a really elementary understanding of what trans people probably go through. And, and I'm still someone that's, that's sort of coming around and learning, I still don't know if gender theory should be taught in school or not, but I, I, I'm, I'm willing to sort of look at it and evolve if I have to and all that. But at least he's out there trying to ask questions. The left already feel like they have already figured out all of the answers. And so there's a refusal, like you said, and you're, you hit it uh, right on the head. It's, there's a refusal to reflect, to self-reflect, and a refusal to discuss. They, for a while, it was trendy for them to say that debate in and of itself is a white supremacist tool. And I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs>
1: How does I, I, I agree overall with this assessment. And, you know, the irony is that whereas the right and again like this binary is somewhat of a false binary but we'll use it for the sake of simplicity um the right is more willing to say hey you know what you don't agree with us on this but we maybe have common ground on this so come on over to our side come on over and we'll get you where you need to be on these other issues but like you know for now we're cool um and, and especially because that can sometimes um, make them appear more diverse or rational or reasonable, um, right? And, and so that's an effective strategy for increasing your numbers. And then we have the opposite phenomenon on the left where someone could say, well, I'm, you know, I'm a leftist, but, you know, here's my take on this. And it's like, well, then you're not a leftist. Yeah. And there is this, um, a very, like a purity spiral of sorts. Litmus um, tests. Um, very litmus exclusionary. Tests.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and the litmus tests are all arbitrary. Um, the metrics change um, kind of it seemingly like it, it's very arbitrary. And the end result of that is you have a decreasing pool of true leftists. Mm. And and where do these people who are being shunned or exiled go? You know, some will float around and be politically homeless, so to speak, or like centrist. But you know, there's others with open arms ready to accept them.
0: And they and right? the, the, the people that you're talking about, a large swath of them get get red pilled, you know. And, and yes, and so it's so counterproductive.
1: And you know, being red pilled is not the solution. And it, it irritates me because um, I get that said a lot about me. Oh, she's becoming conservative. She's now seeing the light. You know, she's taken the red pill and it's like, no, my views do change and evolve as I get new information and learn things. And right, like we should all be constantly reassessing and growing in that sense. But my core values haven't changed from when I started doing this from prior to that and hopefully won't change drastically in the future. Um, so it, it you know, it, it then it almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy um, where someone is excluded from the left because they aren't a real leftist. And, oh, look, well, now they are conservative. And it's like, what's the end game here? Because you are literally killing yourselves off.
0: Yeah, yeah there, there's a lot of demands that people make. Um, well, listen, I I, 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 I you come on the show. We're not ending the show yet. I I just, but the next time that you come on, I want an update on all this kind of stuff because it must be really crazy to be uh, harassed by Willie Nelson's bastard. I just don't know how you put up with it. (laughs) I think it's really disheartening. Um, He's really scary looking. Like, honestly, like, like, listen, he's white. So I guess I'm allowed to like say bad things about him, but he looks like, Like Santa did too much meth and Christmas is now canceled. Like that is.
1: Listen, the the very first time I met this person, um, it it was him approaching me aggressively with a camera and I have no problem being filmed in public at a rally. That's just, it's part of the territory. Um, But it's the tone of voice uh, and the substance of what was being said. You know, he was calling me a Nazi goof, a scooter cow, like, Uh, just for someone you've never met, it was jarring. And that's that whole
0: ends justify the means thing that I was talking about. Like lefties are supposed to be really, you know, the kind hearted ones and the bleeding hearts and all that kind of stuff. And when you start doing that kind of shit, like, you know, you can tell that you're not dealing with someone who has, you know, a a, a center core of values that actually are authentic, you know, like that it's, it's alarming to me.
1: If something isn't coming from a place of empathy and compassion and trying to understand others, what's what are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? Exactly. How can you claim to be progressive if that's not your starting point?
0: I agree. Okay, let's move on because um, we had a big week here in Ontario uh, with um, Don Ford. Um, <laughs> I I wrote a piece I I I I don't know if you saw it or not where I it was satire it was like I made fun of the entire situation as if it was a mafia thing, and um, the more I read it, the more when I was writing it, I was just like, this is this actually could be real. Like like there is so much corruption in Doug Ford's government that is plain to see. When I when I hear media people talking about how well I really think that uh, Steve Clark should resign, I'm just like motherfucker it was all of ford's friends and donors and wedding guests like was this just coincidental that 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 steve clark's uh chief of staff was able to green light all of doug ford's friend Wait, wow what a coincidence that is. It- it's doug ford doug ford is the problem and and i can't tell um if we are waiting and you did a really cool cartoon about it. i'll play the. i'll show the cartoon here the cartoon shows uh, an RCMP officer putting on rubber gloves while Doug Ford is sweating on a hospital bed with his hairy ass cheek hidden, sit, uh, sticking out. And the RCMP officer goes, sorry, Dougie, we have to probe deep. Um, I love the cartoon. I don't know how confident I am that the RCMP is really going to probe deep. I want to know what you, th- like, I mean, we're, we're speculating here, obviously, but, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Because I'm glad it's not the OPP. Because I don't think, I mean, he gets plane rides to his, to his cottage in Muskoka from those guys. I, I, but is the RCMP something that, do we have confidence in this outfit to be able to investigate thoroughly? And is it just going to be like, wow, the process was flawed? Motherfucker, the process <laughs> rewarded your friends and you tried to make, uh, Douglas Connors, who will be on on Casual Friday, made a really good point when he said uh, that Ryan Amato is like the Michael Sona of this situation who michael sona was the fall guy in the robocall scandal he was the only person that got in trouble this like low-level staffer um what are your thoughts on 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 the impending uh, investigation
1: historically the rcmp has some problems um and we don't have you know we can start back at its inception um or we can think just recently to the inquiry in nova scotia Right. So the entire history of the RCMP is plagued with. I want to choose my words carefully so as to not bring the entire administration of justice into disrepute. Mm. But there are shortcomings in the way that the RCMP conducts itself. And, you know, I can be hopeful that something meaningful comes out of this. Um, But am I optimistic? Not necessarily. That being said, what other option do we have?
0: Yeah, I I agree with that assessment. I also, it's a mystery to me why in the age of everything gets uh, caught on camera or everything kind of like, like, it's really hard to keep secrets these days. You know, like the internet, just like... like. So we know so much about this scandal. But sometimes it feels like the more we know, the less likely anyone's going to be held accountable. And I don't understand. It's like a paradox. And I don't really understand why it's like that. It's sort of like how um, the people that get caught on camera saying or doing things, it just goes away. It's almost like we get filled with so much other information that it flushes the other information out. And we just never do anything about it because there's always something coming at us. Is, is this something that people that sociologists know about like or am I just completely tripping
1: (laughs) I wonder if the overload of information in the 24-hour news cycle and kind of it being peppered with totally inane useless news and then serious news and then useless and then doom and gloom and and people maybe have just checked out um and you know, as far as mobilizing and organizing, it's not so easy or straightforward to do. Um, You know, people are working to survive. There's not a whole lot of energy or bandwidth, I think, for much outside of that. And, you know, the, the institutions that are supposed to sort of be operating independently and the checks and balances and the respect for democratic norms there's an erosion of all of those things um, so I, I i think that the, i mean i sense an overall feeling of sort of helplessness and throw hands up and you know it is what it is what can we do as we continue to slide downward um, that, that all sounds bleak but i, I see you know if i'm to find sort of a a positive point it seems that the media for you know the first time in in a while um is is pushing back fairly aggressively on this greenbelt stuff and not just moving on to the next story or hey look doug ford didn't know how to use a laptop isn't that cute and quaint right like for, you know, so if, if we can keep some of that pressure up, maybe it gets people roused. Um, So, so there's, you know, a sliver of hope there.
0: Does there need to be some sort of regulations and revamping of uh, however the conflict of interest laws as written exist right now? So like if, if someone like a Doug Ford um, is elected to office, that there are uh, people that own companies that he's buddies with, that it's clearly established, that they have personal relations with that are like blacklisted on like, like, you know, like publicly made aware that they are blacklisted because I remember when it used to be just the, the the potential propriety of a conflict of interest was enough for people to be like, sorry, dude, you know, I can't work with you. I, I'm now the premier. You went to my daughter's wedding. How would it look? Does there need to be some sort of revamping of of conflict of interest laws in this province and maybe in the country in other provinces as well in order to address that head on?
1: I think what's missing is a lack of integrity on the part of our politicians um and you know it's not that the black letter law isn't sufficient I don't think um although uh, if, if something can be beefed up um you know, I, I, I'm not so familiar with it that I can point out what precise changes I would make. Um, but the lack of integrity um, it is what allows someone to just blow past the apprehension of bias, the possible actual existence of bias or conflict um, to just line his own pockets, his friend's pockets. Um, and, and, you know, how do we change that Culture. I think we have to. It's hard in a democracy because we are relying on voters to be informed and make good choices. But you know, our turnout is quite low, and um, people are easily swayed by false promises and the cult of personality. Um, so, so that I think is endemic to democratic systems. But I, I'm not suggesting we abolish democracy. Uh, I, I just think that we I'm need suggesting to, we
0: abolish lobbying. <laughs> you know? Yeah,
1: lobbying lobbying is a big part of it. And then we think like where lobbyists end up themselves as politicians, right? In in a fairly short turnover. Mm-hmm. Like there's it's 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 messy. And and, and another thing that, you know, the, the nepotism in politics, right? Um, where it becomes a family, a family job, or it, like Steve Clark's daughter, I believe, is the new, um, or, or the present um, press secretary for the premier. So it's just all of this cross pollination. And that's why, you know, it's so tightly knit, because there's likely overlapping interests.
0: I actually got a, uh, a message because I think that Clark's daughter uh, being um, uh, the press secretary was false. So I got, there's a, uh, a, a senator, a sitting senator, and I happen to know uh, his chief of staff. And uh, I, I tweeted something that said, let me get this straight. Steve Clark's daughter is Ivana Yelick. So that is, isn't true. But um, what she said is Clark's daughter works in the premier's office, but not as a press secretary. She says, I don't recall her title, but that's not it. But I believe Ryan Amato... Clark's now former chief of staff, may have been his daughter's boyfriend. So that- um,
1: Ivana, Ivana is now the, uh, ch- uh, no, she's the chief of staff, is she not? I, I don't know. I, I actually do confuse their titles and whenever I write a caption, I always have to Google it. Um, so I don't wanna say anything that's inaccurate, but the point I, I think that we can both agree on is,
0: <laughs> there's so a lot of- yeah. Yes,
1: yes. That's, yes, that's the word.
0: Yeah, and it's it, it's really a shame because, I, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, that the, the politicians need integrity. I wouldn't hold my breath that you're gonna find a lot of politicians with a ton of integrity. Um, backbenchers probably have some integrity, you know, but it feels like once you get to the trough, it's only a matter of time before scandals break. Like it's-
1: In order to be elected, right? You have to have a particular type of personality and be a particular type of person. Um, right? And that's especially in a party system. So we are weeding out potentially good leaders because maybe they're not sufficiently charismatic to do the door-to-door sort of door-knocking, right? Or maybe they are too principled and therefore not an ideal candidate for a party because they require some level of, Deference, right? So I, I, there's features of our system that actually are barriers to good people entering, right? And e- even if we think about the the compensation structure, um, and you know who can afford to run as a candidate, who can, uh, you know, it, it's not that it's not a well-paying job, but certainly it's one that if it's done properly. Um, takes a lot of time and comes with a toll, not just of being in the public light, but you know the nowadays there's there's a lot of harassment, I think, that ensues. Um, so th- there's like these various systemic issues, and like I, I don't know how do we tackle all of those things. I think the party system um, is actually a big hurdle to good governance.
0: I completely agree with that. If you've ever been to a uh, major party convention, I've been to uh two. Uh liberals um and and one conservative one. And I've hung out with uh like I've been at, I've I've been sitting at tables in restaurants where there's like 12 to 15 partisan party members, staffers and whoever. Else. And if you listen to them talk, it's really interesting because they skip the public service part they skip the what's good for the country or the province part and they immediately just talk about how can i make this work so that the party looks good and we look better than them and it's really interesting because if you're not part of that ecosystem it is so like in your face and you're you're almost like shocked you leave and you need to decompress You're just like the parsonship in there is fucking off the charts like it's crazy and it was like that, um, both for both uh, it, both times that I have been in that situation. And I think um, I don't know how we uh, how we remedy that. Like, is there a way to reform party politics, or is there? I, I think I might have asked uh, someone this recently. It might have been like last year. Could have even been you. But why did we stop coming up with different ways of governing? I think I compared it to like, why is it only classical musicians that we know their songs. Did people stop playing violins and making music after Mozart or Beethoven or Chopin or whoever? Like, why don't we know the names of, you know, people that were born in 1960 that are also conducting? Music? Why does it all stop with them? And I feel like the same, I feel the same way about political systems. Like we have, you know, democracy, uh, we have party politics and we have like, you know, communism and, and socialism and all this stuff, fascism. But we don't have like the ability to be able to convey. How about a new idea where we take capitalism and socialism and we smush it together and we eliminate party politics and then we vote on ideas. Like people would be laughed out of the chair for saying something like that. But I feel like we need bigger ideas now.
1: I think that there is a lot of benefit to a small group of people but the same group of people, pretty much, in preserving the status quo. Um, So innovation is discouraged. And kind of another aspect of party politics is how much of it is behind the scenes, right? So we can be aware of our particular representatives, um, but in the institution that is the party, um, the real levers of power are being controlled by individuals who... Most of us would never recognize their names or their faces. Um, And, you know, the, the distinction between parties, even if, you know, we accept that there's ideological differences or, you know, policy approaches that may be different, but fundamentally they all, they're similar and they're drawing from more or less the same pool of people.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: So it's, it's, a self preserving, like
0: it's self preserving. Kareem um, I always love having you on the show. Um, we'll have you back, uh, anytime you want to come back. And, uh, is there anything up? For, are you going to any wrestling matches anytime soon or anything? Hey, what, what, did you, uh, were you saddened about the news of I think was it Terry Funk that passed away? Terry Funk, yes, he, you know, like
1: he, he spanned. I think, like, a whole various eras of professional wrestling, mm-hmm. um, but also very saddened by Bray Wyatt, um, who, uh, like, I, I, it was unexpected um, at age 36, I think. and just Was it real,
0: another painkiller thing?
1: No. Um, wow. it, you know, not a whole lot is known. Um, so the family requested privacy. Um, from what I understand, there was an underlying heart condition um and you know it it's it took a a bad turn um because he got the vaccine
0: i'm kidding i'm sorry i shouldn't joke like that but i know someone out there probably said it yeah (laughs) oh
1: no um no but truly like because the terry funk like it's it's sad but he had sort of the longevity of career and so we can look back on it and you know but the the Bray Wyatt's just tragic and Bob Barker
0: as well. So like that's three sort of adjacent. Who is to... going to control the pet population now? <laughs> I keep on joking about people's deaths. I'm sorry. I, I don't mean that. I Yeah, this is sober James. Thanks everybody. James. Now I'm canceled again. <laughs> ah, you can't get canceled. No one, <laughs> it, it, you don't give a fuck. So you can't get canceled, right? Like that, that's the rule. That's the Ricky Gervais rule. If you don't care, then then you're not canceled. Right, Twitter might cancel you but I don't think Elon Musk is going to cancel anyone it's a great time to be controversial he needs as many much. people
1: as possible to yeah. resuscitate what he
0: killed <laughs> well, let's end it there <laughs> Kareemisad, thank you so much uh, and we'll see you next time bye Bye. Sad, I feel like uh, the Chinatown neon sign that's right outside our office was making this buzzing sound the whole time, but uh, hopefully it wasn't too bad on your end uh, in about an hour and 13 minutes, Dean Blundell, Spenny, and Douglas Connors from the Eager Beaver podcast will join me uh, for the latest installment and the triumphant return of Casual Friday. I'm really looking forward to this one. It's, uh, it's rare that I, I don't really ask Dean to do the show, um, A, because I know he's really busy, B, I don't think it's really on his daily bucket list to do yet another podcast, but he was gracious enough to to lend some of his time tonight. So that's at nine o'clock, and we'll see you next time on Black Thanks, everybody. Black 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 Black